Now, I've got a word for you today. I'm excited to give it to you because Pastor Nelson and Pastor Sean confirmed my thoughts and, and the, well, my thoughts, confirmed the Holy Spirit's direction. I want to take a couple minutes before I go too far and I want to remember and rehearse what God has said. Pastor Nelson came and had a prophetic word, which is prophecy is revelation of God. It's there to build, to equip, to encourage. Prophecy is when God moves on you. And he can move on people in different, many different ways. But it's not, when Pastor Nelson came up to share, the prophetic word was not just him thinking, hey, I'd like to say this. It was God moving on him. And it was actually God speaking to us. It was Holy Spirit utterance. And I want to bring your attention to a few things. I'm hoping that I will be able to connect and weave those dots together and have a picture for you at the end. But God says his eyes are upon you. God is not ignorant of how you're doing. He is not so overwhelmed that he doesn't know every single detail about you. Sometimes we may not understand that, but he knows how many hairs are on your head. And he can tell you when they fall out. And Pastor Nelson, as, as, as he was sharing, he says, let me carry your burden. And as I preach this morning, I believe God is, through the Holy Spirit, going to open up our eyes and your eyes to things that are happening in your life that maybe you don't understand, but Jesus has a way of coming around into our life and into our situation and making himself real into this situation. I'm, I'm a fellow that likes formulas. I love formulas. I like recipes. When I went to university, one of the classes, a science class, and, and I, I enjoyed doing it, chemistry, but I would sweat bullets when I would go to that class. The first time I went into the class, into the lab, I didn't even know how to undo a lock, combination lock. I lived a sheltered life. And God provided a kid that I went to grade school with to be right beside me as a lab partner, and he actually opened up my combination for me. I didn't have a clue, but what I learned very quickly in chemistry was there's formulas. And to make something, you follow the formula, you follow the directions, and you get a result. And sometimes what happens is we take the same process with God. Because it's easy. <laughs> following a formula is a whole lot easier than following what God is saying to us sometimes. Because what he says sometimes is here, then it's there, then it's there, then it's back over there, then it's over here. And you're going, God, just tell me A, B, C. 
But what God is doing is instead of having a formula, what he wants to do is he wants to have a relationship. Now, husbands, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But have you ever seen the picture of how a man thinks? It's a straight line railroad track. Have you ever seen the picture of how a woman thinks? And it's like one of those transfer stations at the railroad that's got lines going every single way. And I think sometimes God must have a sense of humor because sometimes the way he relates to us is not a straight line. Sometimes it's here, there, and, and it's through relationship. It's through relationship. So Pastor Nelson, as he was speaking, God said, I'm here to carry your burdens. And one of the things or a few of the things he wants is he wants to liberate. He wants to ignite. He wants to be real to you. Then he continued and he said, let me lift you up. Probably one of the most difficult things we face as humans is allowing God to do something that we've made a mistake in. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what mess you've made or how you've played a part in it. The word that came this morning was, let me lift you up. He says, I will help you with it. I'm here knocking and I want you to open up the door. Pastor Nelson shared that. Then Pastor Sean Shared and Pastor Sean, you need to tell me your first reference in Isaiah. It was fifty. It was thirty fifteen, where he desires to be gracious to you. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. I make so many mistakes. And God comes this morning and he says, David, I want to be gracious to you. And he knows the mistakes I've made. And sometimes the mistakes I've made, I've actually made willingly. Now, I can't remember any this week, so this week was a good week. But God speaks to me when I'm driving. Sometimes when I'm driving well and sometimes when others are driving terribly. And in those moments, he says, David, I want to be gracious to you. This morning, the Holy Spirit's going to do something with each one of us. He's going to open our eyes. He's going to open our understanding. He's going to give you a little reveal or a revelation of him. And as we're doing that this morning, the Holy Spirit, what he, what he wants to do is, you know, he's able to meet every single one of us, as Pastor Sean even said, in the moments of our life that might be different from one another. As we came through the door this morning, some of us came through his parents, some of us came through his grandparents, some of us came through his children, some of us came through confused, some of us came through tired. And, and all the different moments in life that you might be facing do not limit God from being able to touch you. 
And so this morning as I was preparing and, and believing and, and speaking with God and talking with him and, and communing with him, I was just impressed with how he connected with people in different ways and in different stations and in different areas of their life. It didn't, it wasn't a formula. It wasn't a formula. It was his relationship with them. Pastor Sean kept on saying, he said he desires to be gracious with us. Isaiah 43, 18. He's making a way in the desert. Ways, some of us here are looking for ways to do things and we don't understand what's the next step. And I'm here to tell you that what you might think is a desert, all of a sudden God's going to cause a stream to flow and the things that you thought would not be able to happen will happen as he flows. You look at, you look at it as impossible and God says, no, it's actually where I'm going to start to happen. I'm constantly in awe of the goodness of God and how he can take my situation Twist it, rotate it, and all of a sudden come out and it's a beautiful picture. Another passage, I want, I want you to hear these things because I think it's important that when God speaks, we hear what he says. And what amazes me is I can see these verses and these passages and the prophetic word, and to me it's just like, okay, God, I get the message. What I was going and what you were saying to me makes a lot more sense. Your anger is turned away. Your anger is turned away. And instead it says, the Lord is my strong salvation. And with joy shall you draw waters out of the well of salvation. God is so good. We've been, ask, we've been reading the book of John as we've been doing our Heaven on Earth cards and packets and devotions. And this month, our challenge and our, our packets have the book of John reading through the book of John. The book of John is a unique book in the way that it presents Christ. I shared this a few weeks ago, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke give accounts of Jesus, and they're, they're inspired by God. But some theologians would describe it as them giving the story of Christ. Now, it's more than the story of Christ, but just stay with me. Um, they would say Matthew, Mark, and Luke give more of the accounts and the story of Christ, whereas when you read the book of John, it's written in a different way, and it shares the mystery of Christ. When people get saved, quite often, quite often the first book uh, somebody will tell them to, to read is the book of John. So if you are meeting somebody and they ask, how do I get saved? And you lead them to Christ because I believe every one of us should be able to lead somebody to Christ. And then they walk away. You know what you tell them to do? Read the book of John. Tell them to read the book of John. You say, well, what? that's the first book. That's a great book to start with. So I just gave you a tip on what you do when you see someone get saved, you can thank me later.
the message that Jesus was saying to us this morning, God was saying to us this morning, I believe is, it doesn't matter where you are, he's there. I'd like to look at two chapters in the book of John, chapter 4 and chapter 5. I don't have specific verses, although I will refer to some, and I'm not going to read both chapters completely, but what I'd like to do is take a few moments this morning and look at the book of John chapter 4 and John chapter 5, and I want us to see how God interacted with people. I found it amazing as I studied. I've, I've heard these passages being preached many different ways, and they can be preached in many different ways. But in chapter 4, Jesus is going from one location, and he's traveling to Galilee, and the direction he goes in the Jewish days, you could go straight up, but you would go through Samaria, and the Jewish people had an issue with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were actually Jewish people that were left when Assyria conquered the nation of Israel in the 700s B.C. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to fill this out at the end of the service. But what I want to do is just give a little bit so we understand. So Assyria came and took over that area Samaria, the, the, the region of Samaria, and left some Jewish people there, but took some away. The ones that were left, what happened quite often when a conquering nation would come, they would conquer an area, and then they would bring people in to live in that area. they take over, and they would live in that area. And what happened is the Jewish people intermarried with some of the Assyrians and some of the other nationalities that came into that region, and the, Samarit the, the region of Samaria and the Samaritan people came from that. And so the Samaritan people believed they were Jewish and they had rights, but the Jewish people said, no, you're not true, you're not real. And it was huge. It was a huge conflict. If they would have had Facebook back then or Instagram or something like that, it would be flooded with social media posts of the Jewish people making fun of the Samaritans. Because the Jewish people, it's amazing, they were God's people, but boy, were they hard on others that weren't Jewish. And they would not allow the Jewish people to interact with the Samaritan people. And in fact... As you traveled, instead of traveling from here to Hope in a straight line, you would actually travel and you'd get outside of Abbotsford and then you'd go across the river and you'd go around the mountain and you'd come back and then you'd hit Hope. And instead of going a straight line through Samaria, the people of the Jewish nationality actually went around that area because they would not interact with the Samaritan people. Samaritan people had their own five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. They made their own from their Torah, their own copy of it. They had their own form of worship. They had their own holy mountain. They had all these 
religious aspects that had some, some history or some aspect back into the Jewish life that they called and they made their own thing, but they were not the true, real Jewish people. And Jesus, I love this, how he takes his disciples, those that are learners of Jesus, you and me, we are disciples of Jesus. And he says, guys, we're going up to Galilee, but we're going through Samaria. Follow me. Just think of that in your life. In today's day and age, we have so many things that we have opinions about. Whether it's a nationality or whether it's a way of life or whether it's an area, a geographical area, whether it's a financial thing or a class or this or that, middle class, upper class, lower class, whatever class, it, no class. I mean, we have issues with these things. I'll be honest with you, it was not much different back then. It was not much back, different back then. And Jesus says, guys, we're going through Samaria. And they get to this well. And it says it was about the sixth hour, which means it was around noon. And most of the people of Samaria would get their water in the morning at 6 a.m.-ish and in the evening, around 6 in the evening. It was six, uh, 6 hours into the day, which means it was around lunchtime, and a woman came to the well. And Jesus comes on there. And I, I'm intrigued by the conversation he has with her because he says, can you give me a drink? His disciples had left him because he was hungry. So they left the way to get food, and he starts this conversation with this lady. This lady, first of all, the Jewish people did not have conversation with the Samaritans. That's why Jesus, when he gave that parable about the good Samaritan, that was like a kick in the teeth to the people he was talking to. And what Jesus was saying when he gave this, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, he was saying, you know what, those people that you reject, make fun of, despise, and have all these things against, he actually, from there came somebody to help this person directly to the Jewish people. Jesus says to this lady, give me a drink. Now, how would you respond if somebody said, could you give me a drink, please? I, if I had a cup and I've had water, I'd probably go, fine. She goes, and listen to the response of the woman at the well. And this is what I'd like you to I'd like for God to open our eyes to see. 
she has a negative response. Jesus says, give me something to drink. And she goes, what are you doing talking to me? He continues. And he says, well, if you knew who was talking to you, and it's like, I don't, I don't know if I would have recognized him. And we sometimes think, well, she did such I, I, a bad thing. She didn't understand. She didn't see. I'm not sure you or I would have seen or understand what Jesus was doing. And sometimes when Jesus is at work, we don't always figure it out. Sometimes Jesus is at work in our lives in the most interesting, unique ways. And what are we doing? We're saying, you don't even have a bucket to put water in. Why are you asking for water? And Jesus is going, oh, but there's something greater here. And if you knew who you were talking to, you wouldn't ask, you wouldn't give me water, but you'd ask me for water. And she's like, Okay, you're a stranger. You're coming here to a well. I'm the one who's kind of able to help you out. And you're asking or telling me that if I knew who you were. And if you follow the conversation, it's like Jesus is making these overtures. Give me something to drink. You don't have anything. If you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me to give you the water that will never, you'll never thirst again. Oh, and, and she, who are you? Are, are you a prophet? Are you this? And, 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 and he, says, he says, go and tell your husband. She goes, well, you know what? I don't have a husband. <laughs> she was so well-known, she had five husbands, and the, uh, had five husbands, and the guy she was with, she wasn't even her husband at this. He wasn't a husband. I mean, she was not someone that didn't have a reputation. Can we be honest here? Five husbands? <laughs> I know what would happen on Facebook with that. And he says, you've answered well. In fact, the guy that you're with isn't your husband. And she goes, oh, I think you're a prophet. And, and, and in all of this conversation, what I want you to see is the responses that we have when sometimes Jesus is doing something in our life, but we don't recognize what he's doing. This morning, the word was, God wants to be gracious to us. I believe sometimes we don't recognize the grace of God because we don't understand how he's at work in our life. So he continues, and in each one of these instances and interactions, it's almost like she's throwing up a roadblock. She's trying, well, well, we worship at this mountain, and, and we think this and this and this. And he goes, you know what? 
Things going to come, and it doesn't matter where you worship. We got to, the Father is seeking those who worship him in spirit and truth. And he's laying down all these truths and these things. And what I love about Jesus is no matter what obstacle, distraction, or roadblock the individual put up, Jesus went beyond it. Well, I don't come from the right family. I'm here to give you eternal life. Well, what about this? People say this about me. And Jesus kept on persisting in his way to reach and to touch this life. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that you, that you are trying to prove a point to? And you want them to acknowledge something that they've done to you? And every time you get real, oh, they're just about to admit that, yeah, they shouldn't have said that. And then they come up and they throw out an excuse, a comeback line, or they, they, there's red herring and they make you chase something else and you're trying to get them. But you didn't do this and they're thinking, oh, but, oh well, what about this or who about, what about this person? And it's almost like this conversation is happening and Jesus is saying, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I've got something for you. And what I have for you will cause you to never thirst again, not to have that desire again. I've got such a life-transforming truth and reality for you. And the individual keeps going, well, what about this? Let's put that in there. What about that? And put this in there. And, and Jesus persists throughout all of the rebuttals to the point to the point where she finally says I've got to go and tell everybody in my community about you she brings everybody out because she says you've got to meet this guy he's told me everything about me and they probably thought well, there's a lot to tell. And they actually asked Jesus to stay there for two days. And if you read the story, it says life after life after life was affected and changed and miracles happened because Jesus persisted through the rebuttals, the confusion, the unawareness to reach the objective that he had. Some of you are facing situations in your life and you're not sure what to do about them. In fact, sometimes God brings things in front of you that are the solution but we don't recognize it because we think it's the problem. As I'm talking, the Holy Spirit's going to drop into your mind things that he's working on. 
And I'm going to be bold and say every single one of us has an area that we can improve in. Because we are not perfect. I'm not perfect. You don't even have to ask my wife. I'll admit it. And God is at work in us, but sometimes how he's doing it, we don't understand. And instead of allowing and accepting what he's doing, we throw roadblocks up. We make excuses. The next chapter, chapter 5, I want you to see how Jesus interacts with these people. The man at the pool, Bethsaida. Bethsaida, there's... I don't mind that I can't pronounce it because if you study the scriptures, you find out that the, even the theologians think there was three or four different interpretations of the word. So it was the pool where the angel came, stirred the water, and some of the first person in got healed. Bethsaida, 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 oh boy, now I'm getting the resident theologian correcting me. The pool of Bethsaida. A man was there for 30, he, was, he had been ill for 38 years. It doesn't say he was there for 38 years, but for 38 years he had an ailment. He was there for a while. This is going to hit some of you. Because some of us here have something we've been struggling with for years. It's obvious. I, I just, I'll be honest with you, sometimes the way Jesus comes and talks with us is not the way that I would expect him to. If I saw somebody that was laying at that place, I probably would say, would you like to get better? But Jesus comes to him and says, what would you like? It's like, hello? I've been ill for 38 years. If you don't know that, I'm laying here at this place where miracles happen, so I'm here to get my miracle. And he, and he says, and, and, and here Jesus is. And the response the guy has is, well, whenever the stirring happens, somebody else gets in front of me, gets and beats me to the water, and I haven't been able to get there first. That's not an excuse. At that point, that guy doesn't even know who Jesus is. And I'll tell you why, because Jesus heals him, and he doesn't even know it's Jesus. But the conversation, Jesus is at work with me, and sometimes I'm so over aware of my problem that I don't recognize his solution. He might have been bitter. You know, I've been struggling with this for years. I don't even have somebody here to help me get in the water. And you have the audacity to say, what would I like? Have you ever had a conversation with 
with, with Jesus? The problem is you didn't realize you were talking with Jesus? As Pastor Winona shared last week, that phrase from a song that she'd been singing, uh, soul, remember who you're talking to. And she says, sometimes I think it's more like remember who you're whining to. Jesus says, get up and walk. What I love about this is he did it on the Sabbath. And what does the guy do? It says he gets up and grabs his bed or his pallet, his belongings, and he carries them. And they had rules that on the Sabbath you were not allowed to carry things, as in your bed. They had at least... 39 specific rules that you were not allowed to do on the Sabbath. One of them caused people to take a string, connect it to one house across the street, connecting it to another house, because if it was connected, they could still argue and say their house was still connected. And they would go from one house to another house and say they didn't do it on the Sabbath because they were actually connected to the house the whole time. We laugh, but boy, do I get technical when I need to. Well, I didn't tell him I was sorry because he didn't really ask me about what happened. So I really shouldn't have to do that. You know, he didn't say, hey, we have a situation. He just said, how you doing? So it's like, you know, and we get technical. And what happens is Jesus comes and he breaks through all the technicalities. All the rules. Now, this is going to get messy at Solid Rock. Because we're going to have people who come that Jesus broke the rules. And Pastor David said it should happen this way. And God moved that way. And at that point, I don't care who Pastor David is. I care who God is. But they got upset with him. And I think, I think sometimes God wants to do something that stretches our thinking just to show us that he's God and he can break the rules. I mean, he did this on the Sabbath. You didn't pick up your bed. And what does he do? He tells the guy to pick up his bed. And the guy picks it up. He doesn't realize at this point it's Jesus. Because then they said, who did this? And he says, I the guy. The guy did it. He just told me, and he comes back, and, he, and Jesus comes across him later and says, listen, and I found this interesting. The conversations Jesus had with people, he says, listen, don't sin anymore lest something worse happens. Now, I thought he was all about grace. Can I just say something here? Don't keep doing something, because if it's sin, it ain't good. It's not right. It misses the mark. It misses what God intended. And God says to this guy, don't sin anymore because if you do, you may end up worse than you were before. 
And he wasn't being legalistic, he was just being real. What I want us to see in these two situations is Jesus comes into a situation and he causes it to change. I've got 10 minutes where I'd like to hammer home some thoughts about how Jesus changes our life. In your life, Jesus wants to come into your life and change it for the better. He wants to come into your marriage and change it for better. And by the way, when he does that, he does that to you. He doesn't do it to your spouse. Please don't elbow your spouse and say, see, God's telling you to change. I'm telling you, you'll get a black eye. Don't go there. If God wants to improve your marriage, it's he wants to improve you. If he wants to improve your work situation, he wants to improve you. Don't go to your boss Monday and say, God wants me to have a better place in this company. And I think you need to change. Not a good idea. But Jesus comes in and he offers the solution to change your life. Some of you might think this is real simple, but I tell you, this is profound. Jesus improves life. He is the one who makes the way when there is no way. If you're facing a situation and you don't have the answer, he's not a answer or correctly an answer. He is the answer. Start talking with him. He speaks the right words. He gives hope. He is hope. He is the way. So I've got three points with respect to these stories. First, we often don't recognize Jesus when he comes into our situation. I... Often we don't recognize the solution that Jesus is giving when he walks in because sometimes the solution clothes itself differently than we expected. Now what I also find interesting is when you look at the relationship with Jesus, how he interacts with people is different for each person. So don't try to make a formula because you're going to get it wrong. In one instance, in John 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, Listen, Rabbi, you're an amazing guy. We've got to figure this out. And Jesus says, Except you're born again. And and Nicodemus goes, What? How? And he's a teacher. He's not a student. Nicodemus is a teacher. And he says, How can I actually go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He actually says that out loud. It's like, Dude, 
Even I know that's not possible. But the interaction Jesus has for each one of us here is different than the person beside you. And so as I've been talking, the Holy Spirit's been communing and talking with you. And he's been causing things to think or thoughts to happen in your mind where he's saying, hey, I want to help you here. I want to help you in your work situation. I want to help you in the frustration that you have that you can't seem to get your career on track. I want to help you in this situation. I want to help you with your relationships. I want to help you in the fact that every time a door opens, you implode and you sabotage the advancement. Because I've got the answer for you. So that the next time that door opens, you'll be able to walk through it instead of sabotaging yourself. See, Jesus comes and he has the solution for what you're facing. Are you prepared to allow him to speak to you? Or are you going to keep throwing up roadblocks? Well, what about them? You know what they did? They only had to do this, and then they got this miracle. You're telling me I have to do that? You're telling me this, but it was so much easier for the guy down. Quit comparing your life with somebody else's life. We don't often recognize Jesus when he comes into the situation. We throw out roadblocks. We express confusion. We might express frustration. His solution sometimes comes disguised as a problem. His solution sometimes comes in the form of a question. His solution sometimes comes in the form of an instruction. Sometimes the way Jesus speaks is different today than it was last week and it's different tomorrow than it was today because he's working with you where you're at. The key is not to make it a formula, but to have the relationship. I have learned over 35 years when my wife says something, I've learned what she's saying even if she doesn't say it. Whereas the first few years, I missed it. Do whatever you'd like, honey. And I did. It wasn't good. Now, do whatever you like, honey, has a whole different meaning. Sometimes our relationship with Jesus, we need to listen to what he says. And don't put it in the formula and put it through the meat grinder, and it comes out like this. No, put it through the relationship. Where am I? What does he know about this situation? What am I missing? God, ask him, Father, what do you see here? I think you're talking about water, but you might actually be talking about something different than water. I, I, I think maybe I need to sit down and talk a little bit more with you. Second thing, 
is his offer is always better than ours. Always. What Jesus comes to offer you is always better than where you're at. Take it to the bank. Every single time Jesus has come to me, he's offered me a better thing than where I was at. It didn't mean it took work. It didn't mean it took me saying I'm sorry. It didn't mean that I had to repent. It, it meant I had to do those things. But every single time Jesus came, and there's times, and every one of you knows when he comes and he, he puts his finger on, maybe he's putting his finger on the language I'm using. You say, he wouldn't do that. Yes, he would, because life and death are in the power of the tongue. So he might come and start saying to you, you know what, you need to start speaking life. Quit telling your spouse this. Quit, quit telling your kids this. Quit speaking this over your life. Start speaking positive. He always comes to give you something better. Every single time. Thirdly, and I love this, and this is where Pastor Nelson and Pastor Sean came, he does not give up on you. And this morning, what hit me was, we can throw up a roadblock and Jesus wants to work with us. And we can try to get a distraction and we don't even recognize Jesus is doing something, but we throw up a distraction. I don't want to deal with anger management issues today. I don't want to have to deal with that because that's going to brag up something. And Jesus is here saying, no, I've got the way. And, and what I've found is I might throw that up, and he keeps coming. And he says, David, I want to improve your situation. Yeah, but you don't understand what they did to hurt me. And he comes back, and he says, David, I want to help you. Yeah, but do you see what they're driving? The car they're driving? I mean, it's totally off the subject, but as long as I can distract him, and, and I don't have to deal with me. And Jesus kept on pursuing and going after the individual. And this morning, some of you here, it's almost like you've been on a string. And God is pulling at it, and you're just fighting, kicking, and doing everything you can. But he's not giving up on you. Pastor Sean said he's gracious. I can't explain it because if I was God, I'd have like three strikes, maybe four. He goes, I've got life for you. I've got something that will satisfy you forever. Well, what about this? I've got, I've got life for you. Well, what about that? I've got life for you. So ushers, what I'd like to do in closing is I want to take a few minutes of dead silence, awkward silence, and have the Holy Spirit talk with you about 
the situation you might be facing. So if ushers, if you could pass out a piece of paper. This is for you. If you need a pen, let them know. And I might need a couple other people to help. Um, just if, if you need a pen, raise your hand. Um, pass out the pages. Let's try to... If you've got a pen, that's great. But what I'd like to do is... I want the Holy Spirit to talk with each one of us. This is something between you and God. You're not passing it into me. You're not even giving it to your spouse. This is between you and God. But I'm going to ask him... As the ushers are handing this out, I want to give the instruction. It says the problem and the promise. The first thing I want you to do is ask God. Because you might not recognize something at this moment. So say, God, in my life, what are you doing? What are you wanting to speak to me? What are you wanting to show me? Am I resisting, unawares, but am I resisting your better for what I think I've got? This morning, God wants to move you from good to better, or from better to best, or from best to bestest. He wants to move you on. So as you've received your paper, have a conversation with God for 30, 40 seconds and just say, Holy Spirit, Father, God, what, what are you doing in my life that maybe I don't recognize? If he gives you nothing, don't sweat it. That's okay. So as you've had this comment with God, what are you doing in my life? What am I missing? What, what are you speaking to me about? Now what I want you to do is ask a second question and say, Papa... Dad, Father, what do you say about this? What is the better that you have in mind? And take a moment and ask him. And I believe he will tell you what he is doing, what the better is for you at this moment.
Thank you, Jesus. And what you can do is you can fold that paper, keep it with you. You don't have to share it with me. And I'll say you don't even have to share it with your spouse. This is between you and God. But what I do ask is that you remember what he says to you. This week, I'm, I'm going to close with a short story. This week was a weird week for me. The snow. I had a couple things come on my plate that I didn't expect because of the weather. Days off. Other days that were busier than normal. And some of the days, I actually got up, I got woken up to do something before my regular schedule. So it was all over the place. My regular disciplined devotion time got messed up. What was funny was I didn't feel beat up because of that. My wife asked me, what are you preaching on? And I had this funny confidence that it was going to be okay even though I didn't have anything written down. And then last night, I elected not to watch the Canucks win the hockey game. I sacrificed. And I went into another room, and I sat down, and I had written down some notes through the day. But I sat down, and I played a couple songs that I have on, on my computer, and I just started to weep. He's so good. He came to me and he said, David, it's okay. Yeah, but I should be beating myself up. I should have planned my days better. I should have done this. I should have done that. And instead, he just invaded that room. And he came alongside me. So when Pastor Nelson shared, the eyes of God see. He doesn't see to condemn. He deals and he sees to convict, to cause change, to cause something better to come. Pastor Sean, as he shared, God is gracious. God is not there to beat you up if you feel like you've fallen short. But he's there to lift you up. That's what grace is all about. And I just had such an amazing revelation of my daddy loving me even if I did not reciprocate in the manner I expected I should. It doesn't mean I'm going to continue that. But what it did was it just showed me how good my father is. So this morning, these little exercise I did with you is not to beat you up or to condemn you. What it is is cause you to see how good God is.
that no matter where we are and the mistakes we might make and the paths we might be doing and this or that, He is there and He's gracious and He loves you and He wants to give you something better than you have now. Amen? God bless you. May this week be a better week than last week. Amen. God bless.